Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to Feel Better with Tara Styles. I'm Tara Styles. Welcome to the show. Yay. All right. Today I am super excited to have a conversation with my dear friend, Woody Woodrow, otherwise known as Alexander Woodrow. Oh, I met Alex years ago, actually a decade ago at Astrala Training in Boston. And oh my goodness, I loved how he moved, his outlook on life, his general openness and quest to move himself to the best of his ability to really use his energy for good. I had no idea that he was in a very popular band and a very gifted musical artist as well, but it all makes sense. He really uses all of him for good. He's done so many amazing things while on tour, leading yoga with his fans, not just in the movements of yoga, but talking and communicating with people about how they feel about what's going on with them. And he's really helped so many people through epic struggles and pains and just such a good person. And I'm going to get to see him again in Berlin coming up soon for Astrala Training. He has his third book coming out now, and he's headed off on a European tour after our week together in Berlin. So enjoy this conversation with my good friend, Woody, and see you soon. All right, Woody. (laughs) <laughs> it's so great What's to see up, you. <laughs> Likewise. Uh, we were just chatting that this is a somewhat selfish conversation for me. I just really miss you and love thinking about you and following everything you're up to. But I know you have a lot uh, going on to share with a broader audience than, than just me as well that you do literally all the time. So wonderfully. So first of all, can you tell us a bit about what you've been up to the last couple of years, because I know you've been in quite a bit of a big transition in your yeah, life. Yeah, for sure. Um, last couple of years, I've been really pouring myself into writing and putting out a couple books to empower people with the tools that I've found to empower myself. And uh, I think that's just part of life. You know, when we 
when we find tools that work for us, I think it's part of our universal contract we sign up for to share them with other people. Of course, we have the choice, but I think it's a, it's a wise one to, to empower others with those things. And, and I've been pouring myself into that a little bit more in regards to you know writing a book that you wrote the forward to, <laughs> um, which had a, a lot of um, strala woven into it. In regards to practicing ease and you know practicing how we how we want to live, as well as you know exploring new ways of being so that we can empower ourselves. And I wrote another book on money mindset and abundance because during 2020, you know, the world was all wild, and I chose to pour into learning about abundance mindset and how the financial system works and how to build wealth, which I was like learning about and thought, why didn't I learn this earlier? Uh, you know, well, why aren't they teaching us this stuff in school? So, so I, I just poured that into a book. And that's really where I've been putting a lot of my energy along with um, some personal music. And, and recently, I've been working on booking a tour for another book release that I'm going to be doing. So it's like a, a mindful book signing. I guess is, is the best way you could put it. But I booked a bunch of yoga studios across Europe. After we do a training in a few weeks, um, I'm going to be driving around Europe for about a week and a half for that release. So I've been pouring a lot of my energy into, into really investing in the people that have invested in me for the last almost 20 years of being in a band and taking a bit of a trust fall into the universe of, um, of seeing what else is, is out there in regards to my ability to support other people and explore other creative outlets and stay grateful for what was, but also excited for, for what's to come while at the same time being present and grateful for what is. Oh my gosh. I saw you're going to Anna's studio in, in outside of Stuttgart. That's going to be really cool. I can't yeah, wait to follow I'm, I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's rewind a little bit if that's all right with you. So we met... Oops. Is it was it Boston the very first time we met? I think we had some online interactions before that. Everything yeah. gets jumbled with online in person for me, but I remember very clearly that weekend intensive. Was that the first first time? <laughs> yeah. That that was the first first time outside of you teaching me how to handstand through YouTube. Right. Which was the first first time. And then the real first time was that was that workshop for a weekend, which totally blew my mind. And I actually, it's very synchronistic because yesterday I was actually finishing the chapter in my new book about what an epiphany I had on my yoga journey of practicing kind of what we were just sharing, but more so in regards to practicing how I wanted to live because I wasn't really doing that at the time. And I was practicing some pretty stiff and rigid styles of yoga and then I would go on tour and I would be practicing, you know, my 90 minutes of 13 standing postures and 13 sitting postures. And if anybody looked at me wrong, I'd be all pissed off. And, <laughs> and or if I didn't have the right, you know, time to do my practice, I'd be frustrated and angry and mm. it just wasn't how I wanted to live. And that's what practicing with you and Mike really, really guided me towards is, you know, the question of how do I want to live? And then how can I practice like that? And after that, I started just handstanding everywhere and just doing yoga everywhere I could because I, I've never felt so good in my body. So yeah, Boston was the first one. I, I think it, honestly, you know, it's wild. I think that was a decade ago. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. The, the funny thing to me is I didn't know your, your story of how you say that the rigid yoga and if somebody looks at you sideways, you'd, you'd be all pissed off. But I totally relate to that. But I remember seeing you walk in 
And you're already so different from everybody just by being you and comfortable and relaxed. And I think there was a lot of professional trainers there and professional yoga teachers that were very serious on figuring out what this moving with ease thing was all about and a little suspicious of that at that time. But you could, you know, it's silly to talk about the handstand, but within that same metaphor is you just kind of did the process of it and you were there and you were doing it. You were hanging there and and letting your body be there. And one of the big principles of, of movement is getting out of your own way. And I think you were always such a great example of, okay, let's see what my body can do if I just stay in the process and, and let this happen. And it's really kind of seemed like your life and all of your Strala fans, as well as your music fans, <laughs> you know, you've got your Strala fans. We kind of watch you get out of your own way over and over and over and over and more just seems to happen for you. Mm-hmm. So has it felt like that from your transition from being in on tour with the band and all of that to how you're living your life now? Has has it felt like that? Has it been scary? Mm. What's How does it feel for you? It's a great question. I feel as though it is a constant experience that gets revisited. And, and when I'm, you know, whether it was playing music or whether it's writing books or just connecting with people every day, we're always presented with opportunities, I think, to check in with where we're at on kind of that present scale. Um, not that one f- actually exists. I just did research on that and I couldn't find one that actually exists. But um, figuratively speaking, like where we're at on the present scale of like, you know, how we've been living and how our tools that we're practicing are coming to fruition in our everyday moments. So, so for me, I don't even feel like I'm fully in that mode. I feel like, you know, it's day to day. And as long as we have a shift in perspective that we're going to continue to practice this ease with whatever comes, just trusting that we're going to learn the things that we're meant to learn, experience the things we're meant to experience and, and kind of become what we're meant to become, which, you know, again, is, is not even necessarily becoming in an external sense, but more going inward. And I think that's really important to just put the emphasis on the fact that it's not, I guess, I mean, for me, it's a fact, but it's like, it's not ever a a firm, I'm here, you know, I made it, I'm now ease. (laughs) It's like, oh, yeah, you're ease. And then the universe is like, oh, you think so? Well, here's something to try (laughs) you right now. (laughs) Let's see how let's see how much ease you have in your life with this curveball or this wrench. Mm -hmm. And, and then we get an opportunity to really see where we're at. And that's really why I like a lot of the practices that you share with shifting your weight side to side to free up one and move it and then come back and then allowing that that openness and movement within the openness to happen effortlessly because i think when we practice that then the things that are challenging that come at us in life we're able to shift weight and let it flow and move and and i've noticed that a lot more in the last couple of years with me because you know i don't think life necessarily gets you know any more you know it it doesn't become easy you know, there's, there's challenges in life, but I think we can bring the ideology and practice of ease to whatever comes at us and therefore create the experience within of joy on sometimes maybe a moment to moment basis, but, but either way, we're, we're, we're practicing the way that we want to live and allowing that to be more of the dictator of our life than, you know, the internal dialogue or the challenging situation that we're in. 
if that makes sense. Yeah, that all makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) You're so right. It's this, um, I'm sure you've probably faced this as well with sharing yoga that I know I faced this, the, the slight kind of look or glance of, oh, it's easy for you. You're always at ease. And I know for me, and I, I, I'm assuming for you too, that it's a practice. If, if I didn't practice all of this stuff, I would not be as relaxed, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> yeah. It would be a lot different for sure. But I think, you know, for, for you too, we, we not cling, but we use this practice so we can manage our life and feel better and do this stuff. And, and I think that's such a great point it's so easy for someone to look at you from the outside and say, well, here's this guy and, you know, he was in this famous band and now he's doing all this yoga stuff and now he's written these books and everybody likes him and that's great. But you're saying, wait a minute, no, I get up every day and I choose to look at myself to make better choices and it's a continuous situation. So yeah, it's, it, it really is kind of that, that classic mindset of, of getting away from, and maybe this isn't a classic mindset, but for me, it is at this point, get, getting away from the diet from our, in, in our mind of how we have to try on a physical exercise or try on an eating style and moving into an actual lifestyle shift. And, and that's what I found when I started practicing Strala was this, this shift and kind of more from a, like a bird's eye perspective um, for my own life, I experienced intense low back pain throughout high school and college. And I had a lot of doctors that couldn't really diagnose what exactly was going on until one found out it was a stress fracture in my low back. Long story short, they just told me I'm going to have to live with pain the rest of my life. And I remember sitting with that feeling, which felt like crap, and not really knowing what to do. So I started practicing physical therapy. It helped, but it wasn't sustainable. The pain would always come back in some form. Then when I, when I went to yoga with my mom in 2010, she dragged me along. I experienced this, you know, this momentary bliss, but also just relaxation and, and just feeling of comfortability with who I am. And ironically, the back pain ceased to exist because I, I, I really think because of the physical practice, it empowered my low back with the correct stretching, correct movement, core exercises, all that good stuff. But I, I really feel like the universe was guiding me towards a lifestyle shift rather than a diet. And what I was trying to do with the physical therapy was a diet. It wasn't how I lived. And once I started practicing yoga in general, my back pain subsided. And that is kind of the shift that I needed. Again, I didn't, I didn't have the full-on shift in regards to how I wanted to live until much later when we did that training in Boston. That was the initiation for me to the next level. But but that took the pain away. And that was the shift towards a lifestyle practice that empowered me and my body. And it felt really damn good. And it still does every day. (laughs) Mm, It's so good. I talk about this a lot with Mike kind of every morning when we wake up and being here outside of New York in Illinois has taught me more about wellness than being in New York and sharing yoga with people that are like you, they, they want to feel better. They want to walk into the studio. And a question for you is, do you think that something that's always been a part of you, this desire to connect and achieve and create and do, or do you think that that's something that you've sort of learned along the way and within your, I suppose, friend group, and you've seen a lot of 
people, even the fans. I mean, I want to ask you about that. It's such a cool thing. Your fans and community really that you've shared yoga with along the way in your tours and now, you know, in broader ways as well. Have you seen kind of two groups of of folks that just really want this lifestyle shift and folks that of course want it, but it's harder to mm. grab onto. It's harder to to stick with in that way. And and how, you know, I'm asking also selfishly <laughs> for myself, how have you as, as a teacher, as a guide, reach those people as well? Mm. So the, to answer the last part, I, I really feel that, at least for my life, I've been able to go into the places that don't normally have the yoga conversations, the meditation conversations, the breathwork conversations, self-development, mindfulness, you know, all the stuff. And those places might be, you know, dingy bars and, you know, weird like venues that smell like a frat house or, you know, just alleyways when you're loading out gear. I would have people ask me, you know, what, what are you doing? And I wouldn't really be, you know, outwardly inviting it as much as I would just be myself. And people, for some reason, wanted to know kind of what I was taking. And, and it was funny because it was like, you know, I'm not really taking, I'm not taking anything. It's, it's a practice and I continuously show up and I'm not perfect. And it's a fluctuation, you know, sometimes, you know, you're, you're vibing high and sometimes, you know, you're going through a challenging moment and that's okay. But for me, I was just really doing my best to embody that, you know, gratitude for the present moment, gratitude for being on tour, playing music, having the opportunity to, to connect all over the world. And I think it was just maybe the joy that I was feeling for that and the reminder that nothing lasts forever at, at like the core of my being that people were feeling. But because I was practicing from a place that was comfortable in my body and how I moved on stage to how I carried myself with fans, people noticed it and, and they kind of wanted to know what, what it was all about. And so I would just have these really cool organic conversations that would happen, you know, sometimes with like a lot of swearing involved to meet people on, on their level or, you know, sometimes it was over having a beer or, or just, you know, bringing that, you know, to go to like from, from a trippy perspective, a hippie perspective, right. To bring the light to the darkness. I mean, there's light everywhere and there's light in all of us. Just some places have a little more darkness and, and it's part of life. You know, you, you don't have one without the other. And and so I would just have those conversations. And to me, that was just my opportunity to share the light in those places that might not normally have had it. And it's been really cool because I've had a lot of really positive reflections, not just from fans, which we can totally get to, but from people I've toured with who have since gone on a yogic path or started meditating to work with their anxiety or their stress or their post-traumatic stress. And, and that's so... It's so meaningful to me because, you know, I'm not doing anything besides sharing the tools that work for me and hoping that they work for other people. But, you know, as much as I do, we can't do it for people. They have to walk. They have to do the, they have to do it. And, and so, so that was really cool to see is that the conversations that we would have would create such a shift that I would see people then going and practicing or reaching out to me and being like, Hey, I tried this. What's up with that? I, I went to this really hot class and I didn't like it. What was that? You know, just, just those kind of things. And, and that was just really rewarding and valuable and kind of gave me, you know, a, a sense of, of wanting to keep going and sharing those things. So I just really opened myself up to anyone. And to go like way back in my life, 
I don't know what it was. Maybe it's my family and how my parents raised me to be really accepting and open to everyone and to be able to just hold space for, for others to be seen and heard because that's how I wanted to be and that's how my family is. And so ever since I was really young, way before I started meditating and doing any type of yoga or, or Tai Chi or Qigong or anything, I had people pouring their hearts out to me. And I'd be like, what? <laughs> I'm, le- <laughs> I'm legit not saying anything. I am sitting here being and people feel safe enough to pour out, whether it's insecurities or you know experiences that have been traumatic or just things that are challenging them. They felt comfortable to share that stuff with me. And I never knew why when I started working on me. And, and then it started to kind of come into more fruition in like a potent sense. And so, so that really like is kind of how, I, I mean, that's kind of like where it started and then it evolved into something more when I would go on tour. And then with like working with the fans, I, I would, so I had this idea a while ago where and I've never seen anybody do this, which is why I kind of thought, you know what, let's just see what happens. But, but I'd never seen a band that had invested in their fan base. And of course, we're making investments in the form of meet and greets, in the form of music, merchandise, like, you know, our, our energy. But I never saw another band like really pouring into their fans to work on them beyond just the music. And... I thought to myself, well, a lot of people come to our shows and express that they are dealing with some type of, you know, mental health issue, body issue, pain, you name it, all the things. And I thought to myself, what if we invested in those people the same way that they're investing in us? Because we know that, you know, we can't do what we do if if nobody co-creates with us, right? Like, if a band gets on stage, but nobody comes to the show, well, they're still engaging in a co-creation together, but they're not co-creating with the audience and therefore not creating that illusion of success. And at least not in what the goal-oriented mindset of being in a band is, right? Um, So I started doing these yoga meetups with fans. And I started doing them in like parks, started doing them in coffee shops, which of course, yoga was a little limited then. We would do more meditation and goal setting, breath work, stuff like that. And I did that for about four or five years. And I started having a lot of really positive reflections from the audiences about, hey, this worked. Like, I really enjoyed this. Or I brought this practice into my life when I felt challenged around this person. And it was really, really powerful for me to see that not only do the tools work for me, but they work for other people. And and when I continuously made space for that to happen, the more it happened. And, and so I, I, again, kind of going back on like, what was that, right? Like, what was this idea? How did it come to fruition? And then turn into books and then turn into kind of like how I'm known for doing yoga and flipping my guitar around my head with ease and doing stuff like that. It, it all comes down to taking action. And, and I love Strala because Strala is a guide into how we take that action, but it comes down to the action that we're taking. And, and that's where I think the connection with the fans, the space was curated by me taking action, but they took action to show up themselves, co-create the experience. And then from that meaning that they created, take action in their own lives. And so that's where it really started to, 
to snowball and to become something bigger than I really even thought possible. Earlier this year, when I took that trust fall into the universe and did a career transition, it was, you know, it was very nerve wracking. And just to be transparent, you know, it was very like, very uncertain. And, and that can be nerve wracking and have a lot of anxiety and all sorts of things come up. But what I had happen was a lot of people coming out saying how much what I shared meant to them and the, the, the connection that we had through those types of meetups or at the shows with eye contact or, you know, me singing in their face when we were playing live and getting super personal. But that action of stepping forth and creating the space, allowing people to do the same is really what created that magic. That, that then kind of, I think at least transcends beyond the moment that we're in together. Because we, all, we only have the present moment, of course, but I think magic continues to happen when, when we empower people with the tools to make it happen by taking that action. And now I'm like rhyming and stuff, so I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Well, you are an artist, so there you go. No, it was, it's just so cool to see. I mean, we all loved, you know, our friends, our mutual friends and Strala world, Strala land, loved seeing everything you shared with these people sitting back to back, coming again, like you said to you and, and what you're offering with the music, with all that pain, all that mental health issue, the struggles, the, the everything. And then you getting these folks just on the ground in the park, at the coffee shop, leaning on each other, doing a little bit of things. And I, it's so great. It's so beautiful. I, I love it. And and like you said, it's it's so special. I have never seen anybody do that from a band or, you know, maybe something similar might be an actor, somebody that's kind of away from the audience in that way and idolize in this way. I love your book, You Are the Rock Star. How cool is that? Because you really empowered. It was just so obvious to see the people that come to your shows you put you on this pedestal. Obviously, you deserve to be there. You're empowering and they're listening to the music and all this stuff. But then you you take all that power and you gave it right back to them. And it's just such a powerful way to share, way to lead. And I just, I'm really glad that that helped to give you that maybe steam to continue doing that, to go forward because you do that for everybody, but you doing that for those group of people. And I'm sure they all continue to engage with everything that you do. Actually, a part of our shipping team for the apparel, I was telling you the other day, I think is, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know him. That's amazing. You're like, yeah, yeah, he's a friend. <laughs> so it's it's just so cool. I mean, having your, your musical idol in one area of your life that has changed you actually show up standing next to you and say, you've got this too. You are the rock star. That's really super mm. cool. So I'm really glad that you, that you do that and you continue to do that with the people that engage with you in, in multiple places and multiple spaces. I, I really think that that's hopefully part of the future of yoga and all of the things that we love. It doesn't need to be just in the yoga studio or just on a retreat or a specific time, but in these unique situations and places that you set up for sure are so cool. I really feel as though it's part of kind of our evolution and maybe with how we're, how we're continuously evolving as humans, I think it's, pro, it's gotta be this shift towards 
dissolving the idea of the other. And I think we really need to embody that because especially coming from the music industry, you know, there's so many people that are looked at like idols and whether it's, you know, Instagram influencers or, you know, people on social media, musicians, athletes, put in position of social power. But, you know, along with influencers and social power, it's like, well, what are you using that for? Like, what are you influencing? And I really feel strongly that this shift that's happening is to empower people and to realize that no one is the other. They are all just reflections of us giving the opportunity to check in with where we're at. But when we invest in those people, then our life transforms because we're dissolving the barrier between thinking that other people are other people. They're, they're all a part of this collective thing that we're co-creating. And, and that's like this oneness, you know, to get trippy with it. It's like, it's this oneness, it's this connection. And it's really, really beautiful. And I think that, at least this is where I put my faith, is where we're moving into. And why I feel so called to not just, you know, be someone who maybe I'm blessed with the opportunity for people to look up to me. And, and that's great. What I want to do is what you said, is put the power back in people's hands. Because those are the people that had the biggest impact on me in my life were the people that didn't make me, you know, oh, here, go here to here to here and pay me this and pay me that and, you know, kiss my feet and do this and then you'll become like enlightened or I'll, I'll give you this thing. Those aren't the people that I look up to the most. The people I look up to the most are the ones who give it and just say, there's the path. It's up to you. And, and that's where I really believe strongly we're moving into. And if you look at TikTok, there's a lot more organic growth, but also there's like organic styled content that I really wonder if it's because people are tired of seeing the super polished look at my life and how fabulous it is. And people want to see stuff that's real and behind the scenes, more of a meet and greet style. And I think it's all part of this shift that we're experiencing of, of empowerment and letting people in and dissolving the other so that we can all kind of rise together and increase that vibration and not just empower people with music, which is great. And there's nothing wrong if that's, if that's the vibe. I just challenge people to take it to the next level and if you're put in a spotlight to really reflect on how is it you are guiding, how is it you are influencing, and where are you influencing people to? Like, what are you influencing them to do? And where are you influencing them to go? Because that's more important than like getting them to buy something. And it'll feel way better because it's more in alignment with the things in your life I found that are important to me. Because something happens when you start sharing the stuff that has helped you create magic. And I don't see enough people doing it. I'm like, I'm like, well, why aren't you teaching people how to do that if you know how to do it so well? You know, you and Mike are a perfect example of that and have inspired me because you guys legitimately are like, what? How does that feel? You know, like, how does that feel for you? I'll never forget it. In that first training we did, Mike was talking about pigeon pose. And, <laughs> and he was saying, you know, when to like come over and do, you know, a restful touch on someone you know, unassisted touch. And this guy was in this mangled looking pigeon pose, just, <laughs> just mangled. And instead of going over to try and correct him, like he knows the right way to pose in pigeon pose, he just net, he, he took a knee and he just put his hand on his back and just goes, how does that feel? Hmm. 
And the guy looks up and goes, this is the best pigeon pose of my life. <laughs> and then Mike, Mike said he just put his hands up and just walked away. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's a great testament to just letting people do their thing while giving them to t- the tools, kind of like that lantern in, in the darkness to explore themselves, which I think is really cool. <laughs> That's that's great. Daisy actually named our cat Lantern. Really? It was her idea. I love that. <laughs> yeah. We rescued this cat, well, from the, one of the rescue places, and she came with the name Barn Owl, and none of us really thought that was a great name, and so we let Daisy name it. It's like, please don't name it, you know, Cuddles or whatever. <laughs> and then she came up with Lantern, which I thought was very cool. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I want to ask you this question of burnout. And I really believe that you have the secret and Mike and I also share the same secret of when you do the thing, open the door, however you want to call it, ask somebody how they feel instead of trying to impose your idea of should be, do this, do that. You feel better as somebody offering something, right? You feel more energized, more connected to yourself and to the people that you're leading. But also it's impossible when you lead that way to get burned out. And it's, it's just sad to me in a way that, that burnout is such a huge epidemic right now when this, what you're talking about, how you live, how Mike and I try to live it's impossible to to ever reach the point of burnout. You may be stressed, you may be frustrated along the way with whatever circumstance, but the core action that you you say that you keep coming back to is, okay, I'm going to move myself, ask myself how I feel, ask somebody else how they feel, whatever it is. There's There's really no overarching manipulative agenda whatsoever. And I think that's the hardest thing for people to let go of this idea that I need to try to get somebody to do something. When you share the thing that you love that you're doing, good things happen. And maybe that's just such a challenge for for people to grab onto. But I know you have some wisdom in this idea of keeping your energy sustained and not just avoiding burnout, but just removing yourself from the world where it's even possible yeah, <laughs> in that <it's>, way. <laughs> Go. Go. <laughs> the pressure's on. <laughs> in regards to avoiding burnout, I, I think it's just an awareness that sometimes we're not going to be at our highest and best energy. And sometimes we will. Sometimes we'll have an abundance of it. But it's in the awareness of that fluctuation that it empowers us to know when we got a lot to give and when we need to pump the brakes and recharge. And without 
a practice of checking in, it becomes difficult. And I think that's when we find ourselves in burnout. If we don't give ourselves the opportunity to really check in and do what you were saying of, you know, ask, okay, well, how do I feel? Well, oh, I've been on the computer typing all day, or I've been on social media scrolling all day, and I feel like crap. Well, cool. Let's shift it up. Let's either go move, let's get outside, let's read a book, engage with some people, you know, let's recharge in a different format. But it, it kind of, to me, is the same thing as if we start eating well and eating healthy, we start to notice, at least for me, this is what happened, is I didn't notice how good I could feel because I was eating these things that were just what I ate. And then once I started taking them out, reintroducing them into my diet, checking in with myself, I started being very aware of the possibility and how I could feel. And I started feeling really damn good. And I think that can relate to our decision-making if we feel really like stressed or burned out, whether it's from writing music or for writing books or you know, being in social situations, literally anything. We can bring it back to ourselves, check in. And our practices of, I, I mean, I, uh, we're, we're both meditators, we're both yogis, so that's kind of where we gravitate towards understanding not everyone is probably going to do those practices, but we're all breathing. So you could take a few minutes to just breathe, to relax your body, move around, maybe go for a walk. If running's your thing, biking's your thing, flailing your body around is a thing. I've seen Mike do that a bunch. It's awesome. It inspires me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but just taking the, the initiative to really step back and observe that fluctuation and then empower ourselves by, again, like we said before, taking action to change it up. That's how I think we really avoid burnout because we don't allow ourselves to get into the mode where we're overexerting so much that we just feel like crap. And I'm not saying that won't happen. That happens all the time. It still happens every once in a while for me. But then I at least know the tools that I can use to get back. And then it allows me to kind of pump the brakes if I start to feel like I'm getting burnt out pour into myself so that then I can get back to it when the time is right. And, and I found that with writing. I found that with music. I found that with pretty much everything in my life. If it's not working and I'm forcing and fighting and trying to make it happen, usually I'm either burnt out or there's just some obstacle in my path that I'm either meant to reframe or I'm meant to go do something else for a little bit to move my energy and move some stuff around so I can revisit that from a different perspective. And then that usually, for me at least, helps me to avoid feeling like I'm burnt out, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? That makes sense. <laughs> I think that's really <laughs> useful. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for sharing. Okay, super silly, superficial question, but I think also useful for me and everybody listening is how do you structure your day? Because you're a creative person, you do a million things. How does that happen? What, how do you, what do you do? <laughs> I can be the mirror and ask you the same question. <laughs> cool. <laughs> what I've found really sets me up for success, at least recently, because again, this is a constant fluctuation. And I think, I think things morph and they change. And you know, just because you're doing one practice in the morning for even like years, doesn't mean you're going to do it for the rest of your life. Stuff changes. There's cycles um, with the earth, cycles in our life, cycles in our body. And what I've found really helps me right now, 
is I like to get up really early, which has been a challenge, but it's really fun. What's really early for you? I've been doing pretty consistent, like five or five thirty. That's early. <laughs> which, has been, which has been pretty good. I yeah. I so I went to. I went to this place called the Isha Institute, which is an ashram in Tennessee, about an hour and a half from me. And I went there for a training, just like a, a really beautiful meditation training for about five days. This was earlier in March. And at that time, I was having a little bit of a difficult time waking up. I would still wake up at like 7.30 or 8. But like I knew I was like, I want to be getting up earlier and getting my day started and, and then doing more things that I enjoy doing. And I went there and it was cool. They had, you know, people coming by your door with like drums at 5 a.m. to wake you up. And it became way easier. Yeah, it was super awesome. cool. And and then we were practicing, you know, we got up, we would do the sh- we would have to take a shower in our room, go meet everyone by 6 a.m., start our practices and just be doing meditation and yoga all day. And once I did that for five days, I came home and since then it's been a lot easier to get up at those times. But Also, I have to say, I've listened to a lot of motivational speakers that say like, you know, you got to give up sleep, you got to give up this, you got to push, you got to fight. And being a male, you know, obviously, I kind of resonate with that from like a masculine energy standpoint of like, you know, persevere, fight, push. But I, I just don't really believe in it. I believe in it from a mindset perspective of like, hey, if you're trying to, to stop and kind of wuss out on perseverance, then yeah, challenge yourself with that mindset. But there's so many studies now that come out saying like, you know, your functionality of your brain is not good if you only get three hours of sleep or if you give up all these things consistently. Not saying there, there, there won't be times where you have to give up sleep, right? Like when we're on tour in like Russia, we would be doing a week of shows and have to sleep for like two and three hours a night because we had fly dates in the morning and it was just, we were like zombie status, but we played some of the best shows of our lives. And so it's, it's not that it needs to be something you, you push through or, or give up as much as it's about, I think, really like looking at what works for you. And some people, and I've experienced this too in my life in some cycles, I'm up till 2am working on music. And that's like a more creative flow for me than trying to write music in the morning. And, and so that's why I just really can't say this is, you know, the way. This is just a way right now that I've been experiencing a lot more energy and a lot more focus. And that has been helping me to balance multiple plates. Kind of, you know, like that analogy of, you know, you just got like on your hand and your, and your, your head and your feet and your knees and stuff. That's what it feels like sometimes. But if we're making the focus on one thing at a time, we can do those things, but we have to, I think, pour into ourselves first. So long form answer to your question is that I'm a big morning routine person. So I'm getting up, doing my meditations, doing my yoga flow, usually hitting the gym, some form of not super intense, but I like to move my body and uh, on top of the yoga and do some strength training. And then I'll usually do a smoothie in the morning and then jot down my plan for the day if I didn't do it the night before. And, and that I've found recently has been super helpful to create momentum and to at least check in with, with where I'm at each day and to, to balance all those things you're talking about. What kind of um, morning routine or just practices ha- have you found? Because I'm super curious. <laughs> oh gosh, well, I think I, I, I resonate a lot with what you said about the cycles and things like that. I've definitely 
changed quite a bit over the years and year to year, season to season. But when we came back from Miami in 2019, when the pandemic was starting to become a real thing, I remember thinking, okay, if if we're going to create some sort of structure, everything that we had planned obviously canceled for everybody. So I need a practice for myself every day. And we have a child, so you can't just, <laughs> just put her in a room and whatever. But I need a practice for myself every day. I would like to do that with people. So I thought about Instagram Live and you know creating the app, all of that. So I started a, a daily practice at that time on Instagram, just whatever for myself. If anybody wants to join, cool. If not, whatever, I'll be there. And it was every day at 8 a.m. And at that time, we were still in Brooklyn. Mike and Daisy would have breakfast. And when that was over, I'd have a little bit more time to organize my thoughts if I was working on a project or something. Mainly, I was not because everything kind of stopped for a while. So just thinking about future projects or just, you know, being with myself or contributing in any way that I could for everything, you know, horrific going on in the world. So that was kind of my time. And then I would spend the rest of the day, you know, basically with with Daisy and Mike, which was pretty cool. And then we'd kind of have some time to trade off. But But now it's still a version of the same, having her and also being in Illinois right now, when she goes to bed, I go to bed. So I'm asleep by nine nice. o'clock most nights. <laughs> so I'm up at five right now, which is great. So I have the morning to myself to do work and planning and simply take care of myself, making a yoga class with people on the app live a lot of the morning. So that's nice just to connect with people as well in that way. And and then it's whatever else needs to happen. And and whenever I'm done, then I can join the two of them on, on their adventures. We have a canoe here. We go out, we do that kind of a stuff. But, but now that everything's opening back up again, I see the sort of former Tara emerging once again. So I was just in LA for the Fortune Magazine conference and then to New York the next week for the Wall Street Journal conference. And I know in Berlin, I'm going to get a lot more opportunities to hang out with you and see friends and do the yoga and then also do the, the social activities as well. So you know, there's a different time for, for all different things. But in general, I like to get enough sleep so I function and, and wake up early enough so I Love can it. also do things for myself. Otherwise, yeah, there's, I know. there's no chance. And then <laughs> so I agree with also, you that for sure. Also, just to finish up on, on the statement, I think sometimes people beat themselves up for, you know, oh my gosh, these successful people wake up super early in the morning or all these things and I should be doing this, should be doing that. And kind of falling into the comparative mindset, which... It's kind of that that saying, I don't know who said it, but that comparison is the thief of joy. And and I really just want to put emphasis on, you know, if your creative flow takes you into the wee hours of the evening, do not stress yourself out with getting up at 5 a.m. It's going to be more beneficial for you to sleep. And <laughs> and, and and I've been there. So so just embrace that that flow, whether you're feeling a ton of energy from who knows what some event in your life for the planetary alignment. It could be anything. If you're feeling a ton of energy and inspired, it is, you know, if it's within the due bounds of, you know, your responsibilities, if you don't have other humans you're responsible for, and you can <laughs> surrender into that, then do it. And don't fall into the comparative trap of saying, you know, you can't be successful if you don't get up at 5 a.m. Because getting up at, you know, 9 or 10 after you've worked till 3 a.m. creating a beautiful project you're super excited about, is powerful and beautiful. Yeah, you're so right about that. Before Daisy, I was more of a night person. I'd hold myself away in this little 
tiny room in, in our, in our apartment in Soho and work on books and things like that. And Mike would have no idea when I would crawl into bed at 3am, 4am, 5am, whatever. And I would just wake up whenever I woke up naturally and just continue on. So you're right. I think it's super important to get that sleep whenever you can get it. So you feel good and in function for sure. Oh my gosh. Okay. I need to ask you, what is your plans for, this is your second book right here. I'm holding up right now. The rock star. That, that you know, was the my first one. This is the first? Okay. I wasn't cool. going to do the first one and not have a legend like yourself write the forward. So <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> so you're on the forward. And side story for anyone listening, it took me, I think, three times to get the cover right. And I sent you each one of the copies to get the cover right. You, you have all of them? I have at, them. <laughs> at some point, maybe in years and years to come, maybe there'll be collector's editions because... <laughs> because there's like <laughs> that would be one awesome. where like it was printed without you on it and I was like oh hell no and mm. then there was and then there was another one that I spelled <laughs> forward wrong and then I was like oh my gosh and then I sent you the right one so you have three copies of uh, of the book I love it <laughs> I feel very lucky <laughs> so then tell me about the other two and then tell me about the the tour and are you doing digital things that people can join if they're not in Great the question. cities that you're visiting in person? Yeah. So to, to go back on, the second book was more of the abundance, financial flow, all the you know stuff about finance I wish I learned in high school. So kind of like a crash course, not necessarily telling you how to invest. It's not that kind of thing. It's more just practicing affirmations at the end of each chapter to increase our consciousness and relationship with money, while at the same time educating ourselves on how to kind of build sustainable wealth and, you know, not to focus on, you know, should I get this really high interest rate credit card? Which loan should I pay off first? And, and just like the basic stuff we never learned, like, I didn't know that any interest over 7% is bad interest, right? It's like a bad loan. So it's important to focus on paying those off before you have the lower ones, which would be more like a mortgage and things like that. Not saying don't pay your mortgage. I'm just saying make your priority to pay off credit cards that are upwards of like 17, 18% interest rates. But we're not taught that stuff, unfortunately. We're not taught to have a savings account for like the oh crap moments. We're not taught, you know, this is maybe where we can focus on diversifying our income or creating multiple revenue streams. And we even went deep. And I, I don't even know why I got obsessed with this. I have no idea. But I spent about six months going back and forth with a friend of mine who is a life insurance agent because I learned that if you get a universal life policy, and again, I'm not a life insurance salesman. I'm not trying to sell you on this stuff whatsoever. I just was fascinated by this stuff. If, if you get one of those policies, there's a, there's a portion of it that acts like a savings account that not only insures your life, but then allows you to take out a loan from yourself if you funded it for long enough. And it, it, it's a trick that like the Rockefellers and all these really rich and famous people have used to build generational wealth. So they're not taking out loans from banks. And it's just a simple, you know, you know, a few hours a day for a little bit, you can educate yourself on this stuff and start building this generational wealth and this abundance mindset, but not just in an abundance mindset of like, Hey, I want a million dollars. I hope it comes to me, but no, getting, getting in action. And what are the things that you can do to bring that into your life? So that in a nutshell with a lot more, of course, is the second book. And that one is just called, you are the rock star finding your financial flow. 
so I had to keep it still about yoga, you know? So, um, <laughs> so yeah, so just slipped <laughs> Love in it. there. But, um, <laughs> but then this, so this third one is one that I've kind of sat on in my mind for a couple of years and it's called You Are the Rockstar Stage Presence for Life. And it is all the tools and mindset techniques and practices that I've found to empower people on the stage of their life. But for me, it's been kind of the literal stage and I'm using that as a frame of reference. So um, I'm speaking a lot about tour stories and times of me legitimately falling off stage or smashing my face into a kick drum because I got frustrated at my wireless or you know stuff like that before I had the ability to check in and to find my balance all with with kind of that you know that label of of like hey you can use this for your life because we're all on a stage every single day whether it's you know we're, we got our parent hat on we got we're in the boardroom we're meeting with friends we're giving a presentation meeting with a teacher we're all taking on roles and each one of them involves a stage so adopting these these techniques that improve our awareness as well as our our self confidence and our self power actually makes us more present. And with more presence, ironically, to bring it back to Strala, I think we find more ease in life. And, and what I've learned, which has been fascinating to me after interviewing a bunch of really epic musicians, is, and also personally reflecting, is that you know presence is this very deep, almost, you can't touch it, right? But it exists, right? It's like gravity, but it's like a power. And People can point to it and say, you have it, but I don't know what it is. And, and it has been so cool to dive into that and to learn, you know, throughout history, the people that have had a strong presence or self-confidence or personal power, which all that stuff kind of lumps into one is what I'm learning along with our awareness. And, and there are specific practices we can all embrace that increase that, that awareness and that you know, almost an illusion of having powerful presence because it's something you have. It's something Mike has. It's something a lot of people I know who practice yoga and practice self-reflecting have. And it kind of reminds me of how people seem way smarter when they talk way less. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, it's like, wait oh, a yeah. minute. I didn't even <laughs> say anything. And people are like, oh my gosh, you're so smart. And you know, <laughs> It's what you did exactly. say that's important exactly. though. <laughs> so so that's kind of it like a lot of the stuff that I've been writing about and that one I'm going to release on summer solstice so on June 21st I'll be flying to Paris after I'm in Berlin with you to do like a release of that and then uh driving around but yeah super excited about it and there's so much in there that is like applicable to anyone that I'm this is something I'm feeling majorly passionate about because of, you know, a, a lot of people in my life being like, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but you got it. And your presence on stage is, <laughs> is different. I feel different after being around you or seeing you play. I don't even know what that is. I, I didn't. I still don't really, nor will I claim to. I just, after diving into this, am starting to learn that, wow, the practices that we put at the core of our day and our life are what cultivate that. And, and it's really beautiful because everyone can do it. And we all have the ability to be present in the moment with these 
with these practices. So, uh, so that's, yeah, so that's what the, the third book's about. And I'm going to be going on tour in Europe. Like I was kind of saying earlier, doing, we're going anywhere from Berlin, Prague, Vienna, uh, Amsterdam, Antwerp and Stuttgart and Paris. And it's the, you know, talk about a trust fall, right? So <laughs> I've, I've gone on tour plenty of times all over the world and we always had a booking agent do it. Now I don't have a booking agent anymore. I mean, I'm still friends with our, with our booking agent, but you know, he, he books music tours. So what I did was, you know, I, I met a bunch of resistance at first of like, no way, no one's going to come. That's stupid. Why would you think about doing that? And, and then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to ask for some help a little bit. So those same fans that I invested in for years, I started reaching out to, to be like, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Is there anything I need to know from travel restrictions to like venues to what's going on over there? <laughs> you know, just, just getting a feel. And I, I had a call with one of our fans who happened to become an event planner. And, and so he, he helped me out a ton with this, just being someone I can bounce ideas off of. And then, and then I had a bunch of other fans reaching out to yoga studios in certain cities if they wanted me to come there. And so I would do have all these people on the ground doing stuff. And then all of a sudden, it, it felt like it was just a week or two. I had an entire tour booked throughout Europe. And all with the intention of sharing these tools that we've just been speaking of from my third book, as well as the other ones too, but really doing it in a mindful setting, sharing some yoga, some music, and you know, creating an event, which is kind of like the stuff I was doing in the parks, but more in a you know, controlled environment which I think there'll be even more magic because like you say in Strala, like the re- real life's where the magic happens. And, and so I'm, I'm so amped for that. I've been having a bunch of people reach out about getting tickets and whatnot. So really, really amped uh, to not only be in Berlin for Strala training, but then also to be traveling around Europe. And one of my favorite things in life is to be a foreigner. <laughs> I, I, I think it just generates such fantastic perspective and not being able to speak languages. My German is, is not great, but I can get by. My French is okay. But everywhere else, you know, you just feel a little bit like, wow, we have to work beyond language in this moment. How do we do that? And, and, and that's awesome, I think. So I'm, I'm really excited for, for, for that opportunity and to just connect with the fan base because, you know, when things were closed down in 2020, I didn't really know if I was ever going to be able to travel or tour or anything like that ever again. And just because of where our mind goes and is what it is, but having this opportunity presented now, it just makes me really excited. So um, I've just been kind of riding that wave of just, I cannot wait to be over there and connecting and sharing and doing things that I feel are in alignment with why I signed up to come into this body a long time ago, again, to get super trippy with it, which I think is part of life, right? Like we got to figure out why we're here. We may never, but part of it, I think comes in service of, uh, of others. And then we start to remember whatever it was that we signed up for on a soul level. Well, I love kind of the core theme that I love about you so much, but you just illustrated so clearly. And I think it's such a great lesson is when you generously, because you want to help other people, they're going to come back so much and help you. And then that helps us realize that, hey, we're all in this together. We're all one. All of that trippy unity stuff is so beautiful. I'm so glad your fans 
set you up and helped you and supported you, of course, but, and everybody will show up. And I know all the Strala people that I know are just so excited to see you and, you know, come to whatever they can come to and, and, and get a copy of your book and all of these things. So you're just super awesome. (laughs) And thanks for reminding us that we are rock stars. I mean, that that also just like (laughs) a, a quick little moment of why the title is the way it is. You know, I think we need people in our lives to see stuff in, in in us that we can't see in ourselves. And I had that happen in a very monumental way when I moved to California. I had found a tribe of people in Santa Monica and the west side of LA who really saw me as a musician, where at the time I was enjoying identifying more as a yoga instructor than I was as a musician. Ironically, here I am in this you know really successful rock band but I just never really embraced that mindset. I kind of thought, you know, I compared myself to others. I thought I wasn't good enough, but I was like, you know what? I'm a yoga instructor. So, you know, I'm going to identify with that more. And then my friends started introducing me to others as a phenomenal musician. And I'll tell you, each time it happened, I wanted to correct them. I'd be, no, 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 no. I'm a yoga instructor. Mm. And they'd be like, They'd be like, yeah, that's cool. But like, <laughs> you're a phenomenal musician. And, and I was like, ah, that feels so weird. Like, I guess. And they kept doing it to the point where it almost like started to program my mind. And I had to accept it over time. And there was this one experience where somebody was like, one of my really, really, co- really close friends was, was telling me how, you know, you, you're le- legitimately a rock star. You are the rock star. And I was like, mm-hmm. it feels so weird. I don't know if I can accept it, but I appreciate it. And <laughs> I kind of had that idea sit with me for a while. And when I was playing with titles for a book, that came to mind because I wanted something that was not an, aff- an affirming statement for my life, but I wanted an affirming statement for other people's lives. And since that one became one from other people as a reflection for me, I found it would be fitting. And so that's kind of where the whole you are the rock star thing came from was people seeing something in myself that I didn't see and continuously programming my mind until I accepted it. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Well, you empower so many people to be that inner rock star as well. Okay, let us know your your website. Where can people go and get to Europe to to see you and get the book and do the digital things and and interact with you in all of these ways that we do? Best best uh, place to reach out is um, Instagram at Woody Woodrow. And my website is just youarerockstar.com. And uh, if you go there, you can find the pre-order for the book um, as well as my other books. And you can also find the tickets to the tour as well as the dates. Or just send me a message on Instagram. I love to connect. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, you're the best. So genuine. So awesome. So great to see you. And uh, see you soon in Berlin. Yeah, you know it. We'll have to do, we'll have to do another one of these to... After I'm after that so tour is down. over. <laughs> I'm so down. <laughs> okay, see you soon. Woody Woodrow, everyone. My goodness, you are the rockstar.com for all things Woody. And his books, his lessons, his sharing, his tour, all of these amazing things. And I'm really still kind of brewing a little bit on that wonderful notion that when you do your practice, you feel better. You feel better. You're more clear. You're connected to that spirit, that magic, that purpose, 
that thing that has no name, that it factor. And then that next step is really, okay, what can I do with this? How can I help someone else? How can I use my energy for good? And when we do that, my goodness, it comes right back to us. And that's just a benefit, that coming back to us, that real surprise that we get something out of being good isn't really the goal. It doesn't matter. What matters is we feel connected to ourselves. We feel connected to each other. And we're sustained, we're supported by that exchange. So hopefully there's some wisdom and maybe a little inspiration for you in that as well. As you continue on to take good care of yourself, drink water, do your practice, my goodness. And then pick your head up, see what you can do to help. Let me know what happens and see you soon. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.